Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning. I'm your co-host, J.W. Marshall from Summit K-12 and with me as always is Lena Marie Saleh from Canva and we are very excited about today's episode. We have with us Betsy Corcoran, the co-founder of EdSurge and also the new founder uh, of a group called Lead Ventures focused on the future of learning. Betsy, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, J.W. Great to meet you and great to see you, Lena. Excellent. And so we like to start off every episode with the same question. Who are you and what do you love about what you do? Yeah, so um, I've had the great privilege of being a journalist for the vast majority of my career. Um, Started as a science writer with uh, publications that included uh, uh, Scientific American and then ultimately the Washington Post and Forbes. And then we started EdSearch uh, in what now seems like the caveman days, right, of 2010, 2011. And the idea was to write about how technology could support learning and could support teachers and could support learners. And um, we uh, I ran EdSurge for 10 years. We ran Um, I think I counted accidentally the other day, we ran more than 200 events around the country, uh, bringing together educators and entrepreneurs, including, you know, folks like yourselves. Um, We wrote um, gazillions of stories trying to amplify educator voice and talk about what is needed in the classroom. And um, we uh, tried to explore, you know, all of the changing dimensions. Uh, We sold uh, Ed Surge to ISTE in uh, 2019, and I uh, was happy, really happy with that. Uh, it's a great home. Um, super excited about the ISTE conference that's coming up, and um, uh, Ed Surge is is really, uh, I think it's it's well suited to be there. Most recently, I've been working on something we call Lead Ventures. Lead spelled like journalists spell it, L E D E. Um, with a a really kick-ass group of women who have devoted their life to really thinking about the role of technology in education. And so we're going to be focused on the future of learning. I will tell you, just in full disclosure, we're not giving away money. (laughs) We're not that kind of venture firm. Uh, We are, uh, we were thinking of it more as adventures and um, we're going to be doing a lot of consulting and working with other groups to really help support how technology gets used and hopefully in a way that brings people together and not drives them apart. That is amazing and so timely. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when you started to where we are coming out of this pandemic and the importance of ed tech and um, the evolution of learning, we couldn't be more excited for today's conversation, which we want to, we're titling The Great Unknown Future of Learning, and really specifically to a group of students that have had it really rough the last couple of years with the pandemic, the high school students that when they started as a freshman had no idea what was coming for the uh, next two or three years. And now this is also kind of our, we'll call it our graduation episode, as uh, many of those students have uh, finally graduated. Congratulations to all them and the teachers that helped them get there through these um, crazy, unprecedented times. But there's um, the, the challenge isn't over for these students. Right now, they're really thinking about what is the next step as a college, community college, trade school, gap year, 
you can fill in the blanks with many more options and new options that maybe didn't exist pre-pandemic. So to really just dive into today's topic, um, what are the options out there for these students? And, you know, take as much time as you want. How can they uh, make the best decisions for their future as they're hopefully taking a, a little bit of a break right now, but I'm sure uh, either in the back of their mind or in the forefront of their thoughts, thinking and worrying about what is their next step. So thank you for that. Thank you for that question. Um, and first to underscore a couple of things you said. To anyone who's been involved in education, uh, particularly over the last two years, congratulations. You made it to the summer. <laughs> Yay, you. Uh, and uh, you have helped guide kids through an unprecedented, crazy time. What a crazy time. We not only have the pandemic, we have uh, all of the changes that are going on in the world, um, whether it's the uh, political backlashes that we're seeing going on uh, in Washington, whether it's the craziness of the tragedy of the Ukraine and the Russians. Uh, these are, and oh yes, did I forget global warming? The thing that we all think about all the time now or should be. Right. So we're in weird times. We are in weird and unprecedented times. And again, just a, a moment of true gratitude and gratefulness to everyone who is who who is guiding students, guiding young people and trying to help them figure it out when we all know that, that we don't know any answers. Now, here's the other thing that's really astonishing that's happened in the last year, really two years, maybe three years. We have seen an unprecedented number of options um, become available to young people. It's not exclusively to kids who've just graduated from high school. In fact, in some instances, do you need a degree? Question mark, let's talk about that too. Uh, but um, I think you do, just a spoiler. But, um, but you know, an unprecedented number of options um, to young people. So, you know, a thousand years ago when I graduated from high school, the options were kind of what you said, JW, right? It was like, you're going to go to community college, you're going to go to four-year college, you're going to get a job, you're going to go into the trade, you're going to go into the military, you're going to have a baby. I mean, kind of like that was it, man, right? Um, someone recently counted there now are something like 900,000 options for students. That's crazy. And what are those options? They include things like, well, should you, yeah, you can do a gap year and you can go and just kind of chill or build a, build a house someplace. Um, you can get an apprenticeship. You can go to a boot camp. You can get an internship. Um, and companies have started to think very differently about this world. Um, every company that I have talked to absolutely needs people who can read and write. There's no question that the core skills, numeracy, literacy, are still incredibly important. Let's not kid ourselves. And that's what that high school diploma is supposed to represent. You can read and you can write functionally, usefully, and intelligently. But here's the funny thing. I've talked to companies where they said, you know, we used to use the college degree as a filter because we got this many applications every time we put a job opening. Right now, we're getting this many applications. So do we need the filter? So that's one question they're asking. 
Second thing that we've seen is we've seen companies go through a real huge cycle of how invested are they in the people who work for them. Um, if you go back to, <laughs> it's horrible to say, but go back to the 1950s, right? And the idea was is that companies invested a lot in training their workforce. And the idea was is you were going to stay there your whole career. And then we kind of like vaulted into the 70s, 80s, 90s, and all of a sudden everybody's transitory. Nobody stays with anything. And companies are like, cool, we don't have to do anything. It's on somebody else. And they quit doing all of those training programs and all those retention programs. And they do fun things. They create fun t-shirts or foosball tables or, you know, Google made it such that uh, we're going to create a college campus and everybody's going to want to stay here all the time. But this generation is saying something else. This generation is saying, I want you to invest in who I am. I want you to create opportunities for me. I don't think a foosball table is really worth it. <laughs> I want you to pay me a good and a decent wage. Um, I want to have opportunities and I want my work to be meaningful. So the result is we're seeing an unprecedented number of companies look at how they can create internships and programs and so forth. Everybody's starting with the Googles and the IBMs of the world, all the way down to local firms in some cases. But here's the killer question, and the one I'd love to talk about with you and get your thoughts on too. So you're a high school senior, you just graduated. What do you look at? What options do you trust? Who do you, who do you talk to? Who's going to be your guide in this crazy world? For-profit colleges made a lot of promises. They didn't keep those. And instead, kids wound up with a ton of debt and were really burned. So who will you trust and how will you know? And to me, that is one of the sort of screamingly huge issues that I don't see a lot of people addressing right now. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think when we look at our high school students and we give them all these options, even in in high school, there's all these like different opportunities and different clubs and courses and things like that. But it is true that, you know, even myself transitioning from teaching, who do I trust to help guide me in the right way? And so it used to be counselors, right? They would direct you, but only to very minimal things, um, teaching to the things that they kind of know and so it is true. It's how, how do you navigate those waters of where should I go? What internship should I look at? And how do I even know who to exactly what you're saying? Trust. I think those are really important aspects that we really do have to think about. And I think also the, there's always been this opportunity of the, the alternative, you know, and to think outside the box and make your own path before the pandemic, but it was the much more the road less traveled. Now that's kind of the option for everyone to consider, right? It's, there's no easy decision anymore. Oh, I'm just going to go into this next step. It really does have everyone rethinking anything. Um, and sadly, we probably don't have a ton of high schoolers listening to this podcast, but we do have a lot of educators, a lot of parents uh, of high school students, a lot of uh, ed other ed tech companies. Um, I would be curious to get your advice, Betsy, on what would you advise those that could be in a position of influence for those students um, as far as uh, any concrete advice on what to do or not to do, or just general advice of here are the type of things you should be thinking about um, specific to you and your 
you know, specific situation? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great question. And I think this, both because I'm a journalist, because this is the way we ran in search and because I think it's incredibly true right now. Uh, all of us have got to start by listening to students, right? Um, you know, when I was a student, I would go to someone for advice and that sage person would give me the benefit of their experience. Uh, as someone who's now <clears throat> that age, <laughs> um, what I can tell you is, you know what? My experience isn't relevant to this world. So we, number one, we're going to navigate this together. We're n- I'm not going to tell you what to do and I have no magic answers. So A, we've got to navigate this together. So then B, the next question is, so let's talk about what you see your life like. Let's talk about where you want to go. Let's talk about what you want to do. Let's talk about what you want to build or how you want to build it. And let's talk about who you're going to go on this journey with. Here's one thing that I bet you guys know in spades. When you think about how we all have gotten jobs over the years, how does that happen? Often happens through networks. It happens through the company of people that we go with, right? And so how do we help set up our students, our kids, so that they're building you know, posses, building groups that they can start to navigate the world with as well. And that these will be groups that hopefully they'll kind of travel with for a while. Not that you're in lockstep or or anything like that, but people who will have your back. And so I think number one, I think it starts with asking questions. Um, That's the first part. And then number two is once you start asking those questions, then maybe it starts with, okay, let's do some research or let's figure out what some of these options are. Remembering that there are zero magic answers out there. And that also reminds me of um, Jamie Kassab, formerly of Google uh, Education, uh, his famous TED talk around what problems do you want to solve, right? Not what do you want to be, but what problems do you want to solve? And it seems like that's uh, something that... um, earlier generations weren't thinking that way, right? We were just thinking about the next step and maybe a means to an end. So I really like your perspective of who do you want to be and what do you want to do kind of more big picture. Hopefully this leads to a more fulfilling path and journey um, than rather just uh, an endpoint. I've always loved Jamie's question. What problems do you want to solve, right? Um, I think there's, I mean, with all due respect to Jamie, I think there's also a few other questions. It's not the only question, right? It's also, how do you want to spend your time? Um, I'll give you an example. There is an emerging and an extraordinarily huge industry around esports. Are they solving a problem? No, they're entertaining themselves and everybody else, right? But for the people who love esports, for the people who wake up and think about it and live and breathe and, you know, everything esports, um, that might be a great world to be in. And here's the funny thing. If you had gone back, uh, you know, even 10 years ago, you could say, well, what, you're going to be a video game player? You're going to make money doing that? But now... This is emerging as a full industry. There are casters, 
There are people who do logistics. There are people who set up events. There are people who do conferences. There's a whole collection of things that are going on in the esports world um, that support players and support the games, just like baseball or basketball or football or any other sport, right? Big professional sports. Uh, last year, the um, you know the largest esports uh, competition in the world is called the International. It was held in Bucharest, Romania last year. The prize pool, $40 million. That's Wimbledon. That's uh, literally on a par with how much you win at Wimbledon. So if you think about the whole infrastructure that is surrounded, say, the tennis industry and how we built that into a professional industry, easily in the esports world. Yeah, and that's uh, also something that quickly... I think it's not exclusive to Jamie Castle. I'll defend him for a moment. There are problems everywhere. And so the problem doesn't always have to be global warming, which we should all have a part in solving that problem, even if it's not our life's work as a scientist and, and that kind of thing. In the esports, there are problems of how do we take this to market responsibly? How do we uh, do the logistics? There's been a lot of talk about how we do it. So I think you can find your 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 micro problems or your life's, you know, mission within any industry, within any things. And it doesn't always, I think people have that misconception. It's got to be the big one or one of the big ones that this is my whole life going, putting my 10,000 hours in to be the greatest at whatever thing, you know, and obviously there's plenty of people that help put on Wimbledon that uh, you never know their names, but they're passionate, hopefully about what they're doing and those, you know, logistics and, and all the things that go into making those things happen. So I love the brought esports because that's so relevant to a, another way of thinking that 10 years ago, even five years ago, probably wouldn't have been taking legitimately. And now that window of getting involved may be closing because it is emerging as such a big billion dollar industry. And let's take a second example. If, if uh, you know, for people who kind of still do the eye roll at esports, um, Quite honestly, my generation, our generation has screwed up some of the most fundamental issues of our time, not just climate, gun control, and now women's rights, right? Abortion. Um, and um, we saw the kids at Parkland stand up and be articulate and thoughtful and draw, start to drive change. Uh, the opportunities for this generation to do that, to recognize that there are fundamental issues and that they need to be true to those issues and not get distracted by money or um, political influence um, and to do the right thing. How can we live in a country where the vast majority of Americans believe that we need more gun control and yet at the same time, we see the Supreme Court and we see other places demolishing gun protection. How can that simultaneously be true? So the opportunities for um, this next generation to stand up, know their values, defend their values, do the right thing are extraordinary. It's a very good um, perspective, especially coming through, you know, with what we see with the Supreme Court right now and all the gun control laws and different things like that. I do see a lot of um, what sort of happened, I think, at, from the pandemic is that high school students and students everywhere had an opportunity for the first time to see that everything wasn't as it seemed. And so they were open to a lot more things 
than they probably would have normally seen before. And that is not just um, from social media and from TikTok and from esports. It's from everywhere. They were able to see that, but also able for the first time to see what other types of jobs are out there than just what they had seen before. So it's for the first time that they're like, oh, wow, I could actually do social media as a job. I could actually um, do the supplements that the esport industry needs. There are different roles and responsibilities in every single company um, that might align with their interests and their levels of um, just opportunity that they would have never seen before. Even, I mean, even teachers or even just regular people working their day-to-day jobs are like, oh, wow, there are other things out here for me than just that. And so what we're seeing with this younger generation is that they are driven by their values and they, we've seen, you know, um, the, the things that happened with George Floyd and all of the protests and all of those things, they are change makers and they have the opportunity to be change makers. And so I think it's important that these companies also recognize that these students are coming in and they're going to come in and fight for values and align with companies that have those values. And if they don't, then they're very quickly going to jump ship and go to a company that does value um, their own thought leadership, I guess you would say. I think that's right, Lena. I think I think it's a really good point. You know, again, just kind of going back as a science writer for decades and decades, we always said, oh, science, science will continue to push the boundaries and we will always do the next thing. Um, Yet, quietly, what we started to realize is our science, quite honestly, has gotten to a stage where there are many, many things we can do. And we're starting to ask questions about whether we should do those. Um, Historically, you can say after World War I, we banned nerve gas in a global conflict because the results were too devastating. So it's not unprecedented that we have chosen to do some things and chosen to try not to do other things. But some of the capabilities that we have, just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it, right? And so getting back to your point, which is what are the values that you as an individual hold and how do you, how do you find organizations, teams, groups, efforts, work that will align with those values? And um, I think that that is, if this generation can help move the world that way, then that will be an amazing gift. Um, JW asked a question earlier, which um, I kind of sidestepped around, which is, so how do you find the results? How do you find the options? And the short answer is, is that I've been looking for an answer to that question um, for the last few months, and I haven't found an easy answer to it. Um, and so one of the things that um, uh, my group at LEAD is hoping to do is to start to run some design thinking sessions around how should we solve this problem? And I would really welcome any of your listeners who want to play a part in that or want to help think through that to to give me a shout, Um, because I think this is a really interesting and important question. And I think it can only be done in conjunction with um, the the students and the people who um, are really being asked to make those choices. But it doesn't mean that we can't help. 
And the question of how do we help is a really interesting one. Yeah, and this is making me think that for the students that do know where their passion lies and where they want to go, they have more options than ever. But that's a really good problem to have, a lot of different ways to get there. But this is not a new problem for high school students. What about that vast majority that don't know what their passion is and what they want their life to look like? Um, what advice would you have for those students or, again, those influencers that may be listening to this episode as far as how can you follow interest towards passions or, you know, how can you even, there may not even be at the point of choosing the right option because they're still trying to figure out what direction they want to go before the options present themselves. That's right. So, you know, let's, let's think about a couple of maybe anchor points, right? Um, what have we learned over the last few years? Number one, we have learned that if you go to college and you are forced to take on a tremendous amount of debt uh, in service of that degree, uh, you are going to create um, a, a set of challenges for yourself coming out. So the students who go in and, and accumulate and are forced to accumulate you know, $70,000 worth of debt, this is a problem. So if you're in the position where you've come out of high school and you're looking at your options, one question is going to be, how am I going to learn more about the world without accumulating a lot of debt? Um, we're seeing groups like Guild uh, work with a vast number of companies, whether it's Chipotle's or uh, Walmart or lots of other places where the value proposition is, hey, you can get a job. And because Guild is partnering with this organization, you can also start getting a college degree and it will get paid for by your organization. Um, there are a small number but I would hope to see a larger number of states looking at, hey, can we underwrite degrees for educators? Because if we're asking an educator to really devote their life to serving students, should they be taking on $70,000 worth of debt? I think not. Right now, if you want to go into teaching, what I'd say is try West Virginia because West Virginia has actually got some really interesting programs where they are looking at how do we help pay for those degrees? So, you know, wherever you are, if, if you are considering taking on a huge amount of debt, I'd say pause for a moment and think about what your options are. Um, there's a company that was started in the UK called Multiverse. Now, with all due respect to multiverse, it's a goofy name. And so, you know, if a kid comes home and says to mom and dad, hey, I'm going to go work for multiverse. They're like, yeah. And which superhero cape are you wearing too? But that aside, it's doing some great stuff. It started in, the, in England where the British government actually requires companies to set aside some amount of their revenue, literally revenue, to support apprenticeship programs. That is not something we require in the United States, but a growing number of companies are thinking about doing it. So kids are going into work for multiverse. They're getting put into organizations where they are learning HR, where they're learning how to do product development, where they're learning a great set of skills. And then when they go through the program, they're earning money, they're learning skills, and they get a job. This is a pretty interesting option, right? So even though multiverse sounds weird, 
look at it because it's a very interesting option if you're thinking about these things. Um, and there are also a host of very small organizations that are looking to do the same thing. Um, there's a neat one out in the Bay called Climb Higher, where they're working with people who more typically have some experience, maybe even a college degree, but really want to shift their focus. They're training them in you know, programs, uh, including Salesforce and a bunch of others. And they're finding, guess what? Sometimes they get hired to do Salesforce. Sometimes the mere fact they've gone through that program says, hey, you're a smart person. We want to hire you. So their success rate in getting people hired is extraordinary. And those folks are seeing a dramatic step up in their earnings power. Um, once again, not a cost to the people as much as it is saying, I'm going to spend my time, do this sort of apprenticeship program and go on. So so there, the programs are out there right now. It takes some searching to find them. And um, that's one of the questions that I'm really interested in trying to figure out how we can help with. And just touching on that point, I know that like Austin and a couple of um, Ohio, like local governments also offer these types of internship programs for students um, just over the summer where they get paid. Um, they have like social media ones, they have project management, and they're actually doing um, some of them even offer rotations so they can, you know, explore the different pathways. So exactly to your point, there isn't like one North pointing star on where students should look, but if you are looking for something for an internship, you, there are definitely a ton of options out there for you to explore. And I, I like what you said about putting pause on before taking this big amount of debt. Um, this is a really good way for you to get your feet wet because you never know. You may think you really like something. We've all been there. You might really think you were going to really love this role. And then you get there and you're like, Ooh, I actually really, I really like this other one way better. So it gives students an opportunity to kind of like open the window, I guess you would say to what, to other options that are out there. The one caveat, and I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Um, the states of Indiana and Florida are also super interested in how do you develop these pathways. And so I think that they're taking a leading role in figuring this stuff out. The caveat is make sure you read the fine print. So there was a pretty interesting article in the New York Times back in April talked about the long haul trucking industry. Historically, long haul trucking was a terrific path to the middle class for many folks quite frankly, typically men, but, uh, you know, it is slowly opening up to women as well. Um, and long haul trucking has offered apprenticeship like programs come hang with us for two years. You're going to learn how to drive an 18 wheeler. You're going to get a job and, you know, you're going to march forward in, in, in your, um, career. Um, there is some fine print to some of these things, including, well, and if you spend a year in the program and then you decide you really don't want to drive a truck, Yo, is 10,000 bucks or something on that order. Uh, so this comes back to kind of that question of trust. Uh, I do think that, that one thing we can do is provide a little bit more guidance to people about what are the questions you should ask. The very simplest of questions is this. If I embark on a uh, apprenticeship program or internship and decide some portion of the way in that this isn't for me, are there any penalties? Will I wind up owing somebody some money? Fundamental question, really important to ask when you go in. 
Um, and uh, again, I think that that's um, that's an example of the kind of um, thoughtful interrogation that we all need to do of these options. Well, and to that point, any high school kid that is listening or influencers, everything is negotiable to some degree too. So empowering those young people to, to say, I'll sign your document if you revise it to the penalty, that may show the initiative for an employer to go, wow, this person really has thought this through and this is someone I would want to hire. And if they say no, then it's not a good fit for you. So you know, keep that in mind. I want to come back, though, to just thinking about my experience going to college in the late 90s. Um, college was a place we talked earlier about your direction and your options. And students really now would benefit from knowing their direction to pick the right option. College used to be a place to find your direction. It, it was an, an option for many students and then to figure it out as you went and developed. Are we really asking our high school 17, 18 year olds to to make decisions at that age that maybe a lot of us in an earlier pre previous generation would have made at 19 or 20 or 21, even if we changed majors two years into our traditional college degree. And then the follow-up question you mentioned it earlier, is the degree still worth it? And you, you said yes, but you've also talked about a lot of other options. So I've wrapped a lot into that question, but that's, that's really what I want to know. Yeah. So, so to be clear, I love college. I think college is a great place to go. And you're absolutely right. There's actually a lot of brain research that says, you know, it takes us until at least age 25 before our, our, our brains kind of stop evolving so quickly that, uh, that every day seems like a brand new day. Um, my husband wrote an entire book called You Can Do Anything, The Surprising Power of a Liberal Arts Degree. So, yes, we have a lot invested in college in our family. Um, here's the caveat. Um, so I will confess I went to college a little earlier than you did. Um, when I went to college, I took out the maximum number of loans that I could at that point in time, which totaled a grand total of $10,000. When I graduated from college, I got a job and happily my first job paid on the order of say $30,000, give or take, okay? So that means that I owed roughly one third of what I was able to get for a starting salary. Fast forward to today, if you graduate from college with on the order of 70, 80, $90,000 in debt, in order to have a kind of lifestyle that, that was comparable to like what I was able to do, you'd have to be earning a starting salary of close to $270,000 a year. That's big. That's huge. So the big change is what's the cost to you to doing this? And uh, that is where the world has changed dramatically. So yes, I think college is a phenomenal opportunity. I think everyone who has the opportunity to do it should do it. I do believe that right now, asking students to graduate with crippling debt is quite frankly, immoral. And therefore my, my heartfelt advice to people is if you think that you're gonna be walking out of college with that kind of debt, just pause a little bit, think about it. Think about what your choices are. If you can get through college and you walk out with no debt, totally go. Or even small debt, 
manageable debt, right? Um, $90,000 worth of debt, it's hard. Yeah, and definitely take advantage of any kind of financial aid, scholarships, all the things, you know, to, to help minimize that, that debt. But yeah, it is buyer beware. And, and we are asking these students to be very careful now. And just ask careful questions. I, I met a young man. Um, I, I was speaking at a conference in Iowa and a guy picked me up at the airport and drove me to the hotel. And he told me this story. He said he was from Illinois, very close state. And he said when he was thinking of going to college, he was applying to the University of Illinois and he applied to the University of Iowa, too, because his girlfriend was going to Iowa and he got into both. And he thought, well, I'll go to Iowa. He graduated with ninety thousand dollars of debt. If he had stayed in Illinois, if he had realized if someone had told him, hey, by the way, you're in state in Illinois and in Iowa, you're not in state. You're going to pay a lot of different, the, the money is going to be different. He could have used all that money to visit his girlfriend every weekend. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, ask thoughtful questions about the financing. And you're absolutely right, JW. I mean, to uh, make as good use as you can of scholarships and support and so forth. There are many options. Um, but uh, the, the main thing is you're trying to build a future. And building that future should not involve walking out of school with so much debt that you've actually eliminated many options um, because of the amount of debt that you're carrying. And that student also could have moved to Iowa for a year and worked to get residency and then applied a second year. And his girlfriend would have graduated a year earlier, potentially, but that would have gotten instant. So think out of the side of the box that way as well. If you're dead set on moving to a state to go to school, maybe the gap year is strategic in that you're establishing residency and getting an internship or some kind of work towards the industry you want to work in before then reapplying, you know, a year in. So I think maybe part of my takeaway, and I hope our audience as we wrap up takes away, since you're probably not a high schooler, um, is that support these students in opening their eyes and not just thinking, well, when I was in this position, I made this choice. So everyone should go to college. There's no way to succeed without that. Be open-minded with those students to listen and have conversations and do some, some updated research of your own on what those options are, because they are vastly, vastly different than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago, and maybe even two years ago, um, as there are so many new options coming available. And just to echo what, what Lena said earlier, to really um, to ground your choices and some of the values that you have, um, to have conversations and to realize that we're jointly doing this navigation with students. Nobody has any easy answers. And, um, you know, it, it means that we as kind of the older generation need to have a little humility about that and an openness to thinking about yeah, so you're all over esports. So how do we make a career in esports? Um, there are a lot of options, and it can be a really exciting future. Um, it just means that the older folks have to open our minds as much as we encourage the younger generation to open theirs. All right, I think that's the perfect place to end this episode. There's more we could discuss, and with many of our guests, we have them come back, you know, one, uh, once a semester to give us updates. And certainly, as you're uh, building 
this um, this new organization that sounds very exciting. We would love to have you back uh, later this year to to get updates and hear about that. And uh, as this is our graduation episode, congrats again to all the students and all the educators that helped make this possible. Hopefully you've learned something uh, today that'll help you open your mind up a little bit and think more about all the different thousands of options now um, that you have and, and treat that with, um, you know, the proper stewardship that uh, these are important questions to ask and <clears throat> really important decisions to make. And, and you're not alone. There are others out there making those decisions, struggling with those decisions, and there's never been a, a shortage of information out there. So go out and do the work because this is really important stuff. Um, Betsy, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us. Thank you both. Really appreciate it, both JW, Lena. And uh, again, if any of your listeners want to uh, help us think through some of these questions of how do we help kids navigate, uh, drop me a line. I'm on LinkedIn. Perfect. And Lena, thank you so much as usual for co-hosting with me and providing all of your education background insights. I could not do this without you. Um, And to our audience, thank you for joining another episode. We look forward to seeing you next week. And remember to always, always keep learning. See you guys next time. Bye, everybody.